Coffee with Humans is live, candid conversations between strangers who become friends. Made possible with your support. Subscribe, share, and comment on your favorite platform. Get Coffee with Humans mugs and more. Links are at coffeewithhumans.com. Thanks for joining me. We are live here again with Coffee with Humans with my new friend, Claire, coming to talk about relationships. Welcome to Coffee with Humans, Claire. Thank you so much, Jason. It's great to be with you. Relationships are an interesting topic that every one of us, I think, deals with. And you, and I think you wrote a book regarding marriage, which we'll get into a little bit later. But first, I'm curious, what inspired you to click the button to click to have coffee with me? I'm always on the hunt for a new podcasts. And I looked at the title and I was like, coffee, I like that. Humans, I like that. And so I thought well, maybe we could talk about relationships and some other things. Awesome. You know, you've cool. had great, yes, too. I'm just a fan of your show. So Are let you? me just oh, well, that's, I'm a fan of the show. <laughs> that's exciting. I'm so happy to hear that. I'm glad that it's making a difference. So I'm in Northern Illinois. Where are you located? I live in South Florida. So okay. near Fort Lauderdale and Boca Raton. All right. That's so awesome. It's, yeah, it's, it's hot like it's, summer here now. Once you get into May, our summer has started. So we have hot weather and super hot weather. So this is where we are now until probably September. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, we are just approaching when summer's thinking about coming. And so we came off of two days that were like 85 degrees. And now we're going back into the 60s. And everybody complained, right? They're like, it's hot so early. My, my air conditioning decided to stop working in my car. So I was complaining a little bit. Not too uh-huh. badly, but yeah, it gets to be bad. <laughs> yeah. I've spent a fair amount of time in Chicago too, and people melt. I know that you don't like a lot of heat for a long time. So I hope it I hope it warms up but in a very comfortable fashion. I'm certain that it will. I put my plants outside a little bit early. We had a warm spell and then I put my plants outside and I had to bring them back in because then we went to freezing temperatures again. And now they're all back outside. But I was trying to talk about relationships. I have this relationship with my plants where I attempt to take care of them through the season changes. And oh. I'm not certain that I do a good job of that, but I keep trying. That's ambitious though. So you take care of them inside all winter, huh? I do. And I killed, I killed two of, I, like, I, I don't know, I don't, like, a, there was a palm. Oh. Yeah, there was a palm. And then there was another palm, like two different types of palms. And they didn't make the transition. I don't know if I underwatered them, overwatered them. I have no idea. I, I tried. Sometimes it's unknowable. It is. You've got, you can have two of the same plants and one does well and the other doesn't. And it's just been yeah. It, that's okay. Well, it's interesting because I think it's, I think it paybacks on what your, what your book is about and what you're interested in, which is relationships and, and it's knowing what each plant needs and the differences between each plant is a sort of a complicated thing and, and understanding light requirements, water requirements, temperature requirements, not shocking them, moving them from one place to right. the next. It's, it requires a bit of patience, I think, to take care of plants. And I have not always been a patient individual. I wouldn't suggest that I'm necessarily a patient individual now, but I try to, I try to care for the plants and it's, it does something soothing to my soul. <laughs> That's what we in the beds call a nice segue, Jason. I got it. <laughs> care, feeding, individuality, a little patience. We're barons. You're in it now. It's good. <laughs> Not your first time. Oh, no, I can't hear you now. I can't hear you for some reason. There we go. 
There oh, it's go. because I changed my battery. You remember when I was running around right before the show? Yeah. And we were, it was playing that video, and then you saw me like running off camera. I changed the battery in my microphone, and I didn't click it all the way in. Oh, I've done that. Dumb. That's I, all right. That's all right. Oh, but we're back this is now. the joy of that it's the joy bad. of live productions. It's the excitement. It's like being on Saturday Night Live, really. We could do a skit. I've never done a skit before. Oh, I've never done a skit. I've never done any acting, any improv or anything. Have you? Really? No. Oh, no, 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 no. oh, no. I don't like, I mean, no. I'm a behind the scenes kind of person. What is it that, what, what is it that sits in your mind of why you wouldn't go out and do performance? Everybody's staring at you. Massive fear of failure. It's the, I think the, the usual. That kind of when everything stops and people look at that can't be from getting married. Actually, we talked about eloping because I was like, I didn't want that moment where everybody stops and looks at me. It was just, it seemed very uncomfortable, but we finally ended up with a, a nice church wedding, very pretty small. And it was fun. I got used to the idea, but I never, yeah, I've never liked it. Have you? Yeah, I've so I'm some since we're digging in some secrets about me is I'm an introvert or more more introvert. I'm ambivert, right? But to recharge, I need to go to push all the noise out and I need to get by yeah. myself yeah. and have quiet. But from a very young age, I've sang and I performed, and so I became very comfortable in front of people, and then have honed yeah. honed that craft over time, and I I can do that. I can play that role very well, but it's tiring to me. So I don't necessarily would say, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I thrive in that, but yeah, you know how I, to turn it on. I'm comfortable. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> it's, it's better to be that way. I don't think you should walk around in life with all these fears and phobias. It doesn't serve you after a while. Oh, no. And it's interesting that people who don't really know me well, I've heard, I've had, I've suffered that. That's, a, that's an extreme term. None of this is suffering, but I've combated the thoughts in my head about what do people think. And sometimes when I've been out front or whatever, some people who don't know me or don't understand or have never asked, they'll be like, oh, he just wants to be out front. So no, actually I don't. I just think I do it well. And I, and people keep becoming interested. So I'm just trying to do that well. And in the meantime, I'm just thinking, I combat the thing. Oh my gosh, why? I don't want to be, I don't want to be out here. I don't want people to what have you know, done? weirdly of me or something. So all, everybody's got those types of fears. And it's happened to me before where I've stepped out front because there's like a leadership vacuum, right? So if you see something and it's not being handled or you're constantly in meetings are twice as long as they need to be, then I'd rather get involved and try to fill in. But yeah. For the greater good. For the, just for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the, what, so why the, why a relationship book and why a marriage book? What's that? Well, why does that come up? It's been an interesting creative detour for me because I'm a nonfiction TV producer. I work for National Geographic and the Discovery Networks and Smithsonian Network for Winfrey's company for a while. And I, I think when you get into producing for TV like that, you're always looking for a project. And I, was spending time, it was, this was years ago when I started to think about this book where my husband and I had spent a lot of time with friends over the holidays and just had great time with these different couples. But we're really noticing that they're very different from we were, from how we were and did different things and behaved differently. And so I just got into this idea about what makes a marriage happy? What do people do day to day that makes their marriage happy? 
And so it started in this real organic place that I talked to my friends and some family, and I found out there were certain commonalities. And the book grew from there, where I talked in the end to couples who have collectively been married for a thousand years. And so it's all this earned wisdom. And I've been since then in this area of how can we better share wisdom with each other? Because we all gain wisdom as we grow and move through our lives and relationships succeed or relationships fail. And all that stuff is valuable. And the people that I interviewed, I think so were surprised actually how much they liked talking about it, how much they liked being asked about how they'd grown in certain areas of their marriage and what worked for them and what didn't. And it's just, it's just, and that's another reason that I reached out to you is that I thought you're having these interesting conversations with people about changing, doing a little world changing around you when we are in conversation. And so that's kind of how the, some couples are actually using the book as a conversation starter. And it's all in the words of these couples. So I'm not an expert, but I did the interviews and it's the only book I know of that's really only in the words of married couples about what works for them. There's no therapist. There's no exercises. It's really just a cocktail party of conversation on different ideas. That's so fascinating because there are, I like the, what you talk about this, the what works, because I think that when you say you're no expert, but I believe that in terms of relationships and particularly with interacting with, with other individuals, there is this idea that we are all individuals and what works between two individuals is not going to necessarily, there's no formula to make it work with another person. There are similarities, there are commonalities, I'm sure you found them in your book, quote unquote rules to how people operate, but the detail of what makes an individual relationship work or get through things is highly individual. And, and I think, I would think there's a lot to be gained from reading other people's, reading about other people's journeys, right? And yeah. what are some of the standout things that you saw in, in your, I don't know, I will, can I call it research? Interviews, in my interviews. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because one of the big themes of the book is just how Marriage is this is a verb. It's a noun, of course, but it's a it's really an action. And that's why the, the book is called Making Marriage Happy, because you're making it that way. It's something that you have to do. And you're, I don't know what you, but I used to look at my parents or people a, a, a generation removed, right? And they, they, I think that older generation, maybe they didn't hear their dirty laundry or their fights, or they were maybe a little less apt to talk about that stuff. But I assume most people were pretty happy and didn't struggle anymore after they've been together for a long time. And it turns out you're always, you are always, that there's certain behaviors that your partner might have that you never really get used to. You never really, never really embrace, but they're not going to change. So you just have to live with it. Or you're, you go through something that is outside of your control, like a pandemic or a work situation or a health scare or something like that. Relationships changing all the time. And so the people who are successful at it are the ones who really have their eye on it and know that I'm changing, my partner's changing, and you got to get up every morning and do it again because it'll get away from you if you take your eye off it. Yeah. The care and feeding of relationships, like the care and feeding of plants, right? The interesting point you bring out there is changing. Right. So each of us is changing through time as in our own selves, right? We are changing in our minds. We're changing in our experiences. We're changing in our bodies. Yeah. And then you put another person there who is also changing 
perhaps at a different rate in some ways. And it seems like there has to be some way to like a transmission in a car, right? You get these two things moving at different rates in different ways. You have to figure out how to bring them together. What are some tactics that you saw when people talked about how to bring those things together? One, one is just being intentional about being together. And mm -hmm. one, one thing that, that I really is that this idea of saying yes to your partner came up. So we've all done this. You've probably done this at home too, where you say to your spouse, let's, let's go for a walk after dinner. And they're like, it's like, all right. That doesn't make you feel good. Tell me, say yes, say yes. When you get an invitation from your partner to do something, even if you don't really want to do it, maybe there's a reason to go along. Maybe there's a reason to be confident in each other's company. So say yes to, to each other when you can. Try to embrace some of their interests. And if, if you haven't tried it, then go along. You've got to try it. Have you ever had that experience where you were like, eh, you didn't really want to go along, but you did. And it was more fun than you thought. I'm going to say yes. I, however, I will, I will put this caveat on it that the, I found, and I'm, I'm full disclosure here. I'm on the tail end of a 20 year relationship and, and it was a year, it was several years in the making for its demise. And I've learned a lot through that because yeah. from my experience, we were all the, always the couple who had it all together, which is a lot of pressure. It is. Uh, if you see it as pressure, right? And, or if you can just push it off and say, I'm not your role model, then you relieve that pressure a bit. But I've played the role model to some degree, right? Which then necessitates covering all, not speaking. Like when people say, hey, how are you? It's great. Because yeah. what else are you going to say? But the, my personality was such, probably still is to some degree, that I'm happy to be there. Happy, let's go along, let's do something. And sometimes to a fault, which might be considered some level of codependency, uh -huh. right? Of okay. if I don't, then it's almost like this fear of missing out or something like that. And, and I'm always interested in trying something new as well. So that's just kind of, like, Hey, let's do it. Um, that's good. and I think that has, that led to, I think a lot of good, a lot of positivity yes. in our relationship. I thought that was really good. The, however, and I'll put this, the kind of the comma on that, that when people don't do that leads to loneliness. And when people aren't willing to communicate how important something is, hey, it's super important that you be there, then that leads to a significant amount of loneliness. And if that loneliness remains unspoken, you have a major problem on your hands. Yes, for sure. And that really, that comes up. There's a specific section of the book where you have to tell the truth. So you yeah. talk, you're going to talk. People, it, people, it's like communication is so important. That's the bedrock of it. But you actually also have to tell the truth. And sometimes you don't want to tell the truth that your partner's not going to want to hear. And that's the tricky part is that you're always, you, you always have to do, take care of yourself during all these changes that we're living through with your partner by your side as trying to take care of them through whatever needs they might have. And it's a big job. It's a very big job. And I think that the, the, the couples that I spoke to, the happier ones were, Nobody was going to tell you it was easy. And they were also right. going to tell you it was very imperfect. That's another thing. It is not perfect. There was, there's a whole chat. I did a whole chapter on gift giving, right? Which okay. I think is, can be a real series of landmines for some couples. And so there's this big burden of expectation, right? On a special birthday or 
you can't miss an anniversary or for some couples it doesn't matter. And they're actually okay with nothing. But for others, the gifts really mean something. And there's a story of this one woman who, and sometimes there's big fails and sometimes there's big success. So there's one guy who tells the story of how his wife really wanted diamond earrings. And he didn't think it was really that important, but he was like, maybe I'll get them for her. And he started to look and he's like, these are very expensive. And he wasn't, he just, he got some, but he got these very small ones. And then when his wife opened it up, she was like significantly disappointed and mm -hmm. told him and said, these are for a child or a baby. It's <laughs> like big fail. So he yeah. thought, and then he also at that moment, like realized this meant something to her. This was a meaningful gift that he let her down. And he talks about how he had to go back and get right with what it was going to cost and get her the earrings that she wanted because it meant something to her. And, and then he actually gave her a, threw a party for her on her sort of half birthday, I think it was. And they were these earrings that made her really happy. And it's, it's not necessarily a story that you're going to hear in the run of conversation because you're not going to say what was, what was, what's some of your big fails in life. And I think reading about these confessions and big things that people have gotten wrong or had to learn from, those are some of the most instructive. Yeah, absolutely. It goes along with the idea, and if people give lip service to this, but living it is an entirely different thing. The idea that you learn more from failure than you ever do from success. Yeah. And it's very true. And I think that is, that I think is a skill to develop, particularly in relationships of learning from the failure and unpacking, I think, the the truth. And you talk about, mentioned just a little bit ago, this idea that you have to speak your truth. And I think sometimes that's complicated because some, I think at times people don't know what the truth is. And when we're working through so, some of these times of transitions, and I know I'm painting this big we, right? Yeah. I know, and I'll speak for myself. I know the times I've gone through certain transitions in my head where I didn't know what I felt or what I wanted or what I needed. I, it was confusing to me. And I think that one of the challenges in relationships is trying to make things concrete because there's a steadiness that if, if we could figure this out, if we could resolve this, then we can put it to bed. It's like putting the Jenga pieces right together. And instead of it's almost like a self-respect thing first to say, Hey, I'm in transition. I don't know. And then allowing, and then as a partner, allowing your partner to be in that transition, say, I don't know. And being able to get to the, being able to voice messy things. So there is, this gets back into, uh, somebody told me one point in time, the conversation you're unwilling to have is currently controlling your relationship. Oh, that's a good one. And it's, it like is it. so true. It is absolutely Ooh. so true. The conversation yeah. someone is unwilling to have is controlling the relationship because yeah. the, the dance that one must take to move around that conversation wow. is intense. And it, it leads to a, I know this is not a word, but a miscreation, it creates things that aren't real. Yeah. There are smoke and mirrors to prevent the conversation from being had. And people call it shadow work and all sorts of stuff. The things we hide, repress, or deny. And we try and figure out how to hide, repress, and deny that to ourselves in many yeah. cases, and certainly to the world. I think it's, it seems to me that like level, level two in relationships or maybe even level three is to have those conversations. It's, I don't even know how to have this conversation. And I don't even know what I really think or what I really feel, but I just need you to be in that space. Can you sit with me while I think this stuff through? Yep. And that is a level of intensity. And I think of a level of vulnerability that people disregard as so important. 
And when they come upon it, immediately go, are repelled by that and say, whoa, that's too much. Looking for the exit sign. It remind what you're saying reminds me of a comment from one guy who's been married for a couple decades and talks. He talks about how he and his wife just need a lot of talk time together every day, and that it's not that's not in itself going to prevent you from having an argument or coming up against something that you disagree on. Or the way he described it was, the better I understand her the more I might understand why she does something the next day that I don't like or don't agree with, I might understand better why she did that. And that's maybe a way, for me, that was a fresh way to think about it because you're right that we don't know. We don't know. This is, there's a whole chapter in the book on conflict and how you argue. We're not taught this stuff. We should be, but we're not. And then you, what you do when you get married is you have these two people from two different upbringings where their parents handle money differently and fighting differently and probably religion, different, all kinds of different things. And you're supposed to come together and it's very challenging. And so that's why the part of, of knowing yourself and knowing you're working as hard as you can to know and understand your partner and honor who they are. That's really where a lot of that work of marriage, that, that phrase that gets used it's a lot of work that's what i dug out of it is that kind of is that day-to-day truth telling and acceptance of this person and there might be things that you have to accept that are disappointing your spouse might not tick all your boxes as it turns out and you might not find that until you're several years down the road but what are you going to do? Are you ticking every single one of their boxes? That's right. a very hard thing to expect from each other, right? It is. A yeah. Thing burden. yeah. You're, yeah, you, you've got a lot of wisdom there. This idea of the, what was the, I was thinking of it like in, in, yeah. there are like rules of engagement. These are the rules of how we, how we work through conflict mm-hmm. and deciding on those rules and definitions. I think is important. Like my, I was having a conversation with my daughter the other day. We were talking, we had a great conversation about some recent political stuff. She's 15. She's got her own thoughts and ideas. And I respect that's totally fine. But she is all at the same time token. She is 15 and I'm 43. I've lived like multiples of lifetimes on top of her. Obviously. Well, in certain circumstances, you don't even know how this works. But And so we're, we're going head to head on this stuff. And, and what I've been trying to teach her in having some of these discussions is the idea of healthy arguments. Yeah. You, you can have an opinion. You can vocalize that opinion in a strong way and still be respectful of the other person. And she uses the term like, hey, you're yelling at me. I'm like, no. Ah. Or you're arguing. And who told you the arguments are not not right? There's a book. It's a great book called um, The Rule Book to Argument. Nice. Putting, but even the word argument, it's a loaded term, but to argue your case, argue why you believe something and what you believe about it is a skill. And it's a learned skill that some people in certain professions have to go through. But we, as, in, as young folks, don't go through those things. We're not trained. We don't go through a class until you get into law school or something like that of how to put an argument together. And so then, like your, to your point, it was like we get into these relationships where we have completely different backgrounds and all we bring is our feelings. It's just, I'm going to throw this bucket of feelings on you. And they're like, it's always feels really of, good. Yeah, exactly. In instead of instead of agreeing on certain definitions and agreeing of our rule book of how we're going to engage, yeah. which could include all sorts of things, but 
it, where do you begin if you've never had that sort of training? Because people don't go through relationship training, which they probably right. should. There may be a few people that I talk to who have the, if they were married in a church, they would be with their pastor a couple of times. Most of them were like, oh no, we didn't, we should have, but we didn't know anything. And that's a lot of the trial and error that I think is really heartening to read about in, in these experiences because there's, some, there's just something reassuring that it's not easy for everybody. It's not easy for anyone. It's just not easy. And to pretend that it is really does it a disservice to say, oh, we never fight or we never, I think there are certain areas like money that couples learn to understand each other on that they legitimately don't fight about certain things anymore because they have been able to grow and mature with each other in a way that brought them together. But nobody's nobody is saying at all. In fact, they're all quite relieved to say how imperfect it is. And yeah. it can still be happy. It can still bring a lot of happiness, but you but there's a kind of a reality that that they understand about what their relationship can and can't do for them yeah it's not it can't be everything once you're when you're in love and dating all that stuff that honeymoon that's amazing but that doesn't last obviously so then what does it look like you know what i mean yeah. that's very hard to say because a lot of people aren't talking about it. or they're pretending or they're pretending that there isn't anything wrong and there's nothing that they struggle with. And I don't right. know why we're, you don't want to go out and bicker in public, but I don't know why we're, I think some people are pretending that it's bliss and easy and doesn't change from day to day and year to year. Yeah, that's true. The idea of pretending and then not having arguments, yeah, legitimately not having arguments is a real red flag to any relationship. <laughs> it's the... Right. It's the, if there's nothing to be passionate about yeah. that you believe in, then are you the same person? Have you suddenly stumbled upon the exact same conclusions <laughs> on everything? Because that's not possible. And it's, it's also, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's totally true. <laughs> it's not interesting, but then to not, but then on the flip side is when everything becomes an argument, that's red flag too, right? There's some deeper hidden need there that's not being talked about that is being right. masked by all of the surface stuff. Are we going to have pizza or not for dinner? It's probably not. Nobody's arguing about whether to have pizza or not. There's something different, but there's something deeper. You, yeah. you brought up gifts earlier. As, uh, have you done this thing with like love languages and that type of stuff and people talked about that? People brought that, that five love languages book is very popular. A lot of people had read it and I think continues to be like a huge seller. And it's not a new book, right? It's been around for, I think, 20 years, maybe Gary Chapman, I believe. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah, that so helps a lot of couples figure out what's your love language is the kind of, do you like gifts? Do you like acts of service? Yeah. I don't know if you know the five. Gifts, acts of service, touch, time, quality time. Oh, okay. Is and words something else. Words? Words of affirmation. Yes. Yeah. Okay. There we go. We got them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I went through the I went through the five love, love languages thing at one point in time, and in fact, during that time, I found out that my wife liked flowers, or sorry, that's not true. She liked gifts. Gifts was her like number one thing. Yeah, yeah. And in my mind, what that the trouble that it created, and I don't know that we ever did a good job resolving it, was gifts got to buy more stuff. In my mind, is more stuff creates more stuff <laughs> that. Is just more stuff. And I'm already overwhelmed with the amount of stuff. So why am I, how can we buy more stuff? And then on top of that, it was like, you know, 
what woman doesn't like flowers? And turns out some people don't, but never mind that I would buy flowers. Just, I would, as a young guy, I would just buy, I would buy flowers. Why? My dad always did that. I thought that was a great thing to do. And I, it's some, it's nice, right? Yeah. And not all the time. Cause I don't want to keep buying something that's dead already. So mm-hmm. I might, that's my guy mind. So I kind of right. got through that. But what I discovered was that in me, in my buying flowers, I was missing the flower that was apparently very important, which was the tulip. Oh dear. Oh dear. And yeah. And so I was doing myself a bit of a disservice every time I thought I was doing something good. Oh by doing something I thought I was excelling at, but actually was doing a disservice. So not only was I not buying the right flower, but I was buying the wrong flower, which is like a double bad. And that's a problem, <laughs> right? That's a and tough one, yeah. It is, it's a tough one. Yeah. And it's one of those things where people come at it with different perspectives. How do you meet in the middle? Yeah. And if, and to what degree another person needs to be needed or wanted or affirmed, Yeah. then you're skating on thin ice there by taking an action that you thought you were doing. And there's a, there's a saying, and I, I saw this on a wall at one point in time, something like, something like you, you hurt when you love someone, but you don't know how they need to be loved, you hurt them or something. I, that's a total paraphrase of whatever I saw. And I know I butchered it, but there is this idea that when you go off and you care or love, a, love someone ignorantly, sometimes you're harming. And, and that's where I think this idea of conversation, it's so important for us individually to really know and take care of ourselves and understand ourselves so well outside of another individual yeah, that we can explain that to another person and then be so comfortable in ourselves on the other side, be so comfortable in ourselves and knowledgeable about ourselves that I'm not harmed by you speaking your truth to me. And and then having an, I think an intense curiosity to understand that person and know them well, because if we don't know, if we can't communicate on one side and we don't, and we're not willing to listen on the other side and create a safe space for listening, you're, we're just in for, we're in for a harder time than is necessary. And I think hard times are necessary. That's the other thing. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think hard times and skating through life is, I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. I think we need those hard times to knock off the stuff that shouldn't be there in our lives and focus us down on what matters. I think we only get that through difficulty. I think you're right about what, what really matters. And one of the, one of the women in the book says too, that she, they did this love language thing and it was very valuable to them. And she also liked a physical gift. That was really what her main love language was. And she's, but I let my husband know if he just stops to buy me a candy bar on the way home from work, that makes me happy. You know what I mean? So I think it's, it's sort of that constant recognition again of what really makes you tick and then what makes the other person tick and then how you can help each other through that constantly dynamic and changing thing. Because what I liked 10 years ago, I don't, some stuff I don't care about anymore. It's just, forget it. It's always going to be the work, but hopefully it's a joyful, interesting thing. And then one of the quotes that I like this, that somebody said was the to me, the purpose of marriage is helping each other become better selves. And I think if you're looking at that, which is how can we help each other, that you're both self-interested and other interested and interested in how you both are together, that that really resonated with me in terms of, yeah, because I want it, to me, growing and changing and learning and experiencing is what makes life. That's life. That's what 
makes us all grow and change in, I think, a good, really fulfilling way. And if your partner can help you along with that's another theme that comes out is that's becomes a superpower. If you have somebody who's as interested in, for example, people mentioned that they're with the help of their spouse, they've been able to go back to graduate school. They've run marathons. They've done all these things in their lives that they probably wouldn't have otherwise because they had that kind of help and encouragement. And again, it's just a sort of another facet of why it was, why it's a relationship that makes them happy. Because again, it's a happy individual inside, a growing happy individual with help is a big part of what what's happy, what made happy life for these couples. Yeah, absolutely. It's complicated. Relationships are complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> it's so difficult. And I think some people, I don't know if, did you find, are, do you, did you find in any of your, in any of your interviews, are some people more naturally disposed or is it, are relationships easier for certain people or personalities than others or is this sort of universal trouble for everyone i think that ooh, that's a good question i think there are some people have a more a little more chemistry a little more natural they're more entertained by their partner over the years for example or they still laugh at each other's jokes and think they're fun but there were some people that that were very clear-eyed about that they were, this was a couple that was aligned on the goals that they had in life, that they wanted to raise a family, that they wanted to seek out the good over short-term happiness, that they, this one couple, for example, had a whole kind of like a contract as very young people. I think they must've had some help with this, but really about intentionally what they wanted their marriage to be like. Imagine if everybody did that before they got married. I don't even know what that would have looked like for me, but it's an, it's an interesting thing to think about and to take that seriously rather than, woo, let's go to Vegas. It's a different way of approaching it. And so I think the ones that were very intentional and clear-eyed about these are our goals that we want to, this is what we're working toward in life, that was a big help. Yeah, I think everybody needs just... I did some team building back in the day at the local camp for the YMCA. Mm. And it's pretty clear there are a handful of ways you can bring a team of disparate people together who are just jacking off at the beginning of the day. And you want to have a successful team. Yeah. You only need a couple things. One is a something to something to a goal to shoot for. And it could be any dumb goal. I had people circle up. Oh, hey, circle up, right? And some people would circle up and they take forever to kind of cir- get in the circle. And then some joker's off in the distance and he's not doing anything. He's resistant. And then, and I say, I think you guys can do fast. You think you guys can do this faster. And I, so, so you could put the goal of time out there and all of a sudden, boom, that whole, you get the whole group moving and all of a sudden it yeah. becomes self-policing. So the Joker yeah. is also bringing in there. He doesn't want to let the team down. Somebody else said, Hey, would you speed this up for what? Just because some me as some rando team builder said circle up. I think you can do it faster. You set the goal out there and you can bring people together and then something to fight against. So here's the things we're fighting against as a group, right? And then I think the third thing was that, that I took away from that team building, exercise, those team building exercises is what are the rules? And if you allow the team to set the rules together and those rules will stick. And there's, and I, it seems to me that if I look back in those times, there were times at some times where we might've missed a rule to begin with, right? And yeah. we're like, hey, do we want to, somebody says, hey, you shouldn't, they shouldn't be doing that. Okay. Would you like, do we, let's circle up. Do we think we should add this to a rule as a rule? And then it becomes a discussion. 
but the imperfect team, a group of a bunch of imperfect people with totally different needs and have desires what to get out of the day, end up at the end of the day, pretty much working together. And that's, I and think- And had a good time doing it probably. Absolutely, had a great time and had a lot of thing experiences. And I know it's a microcosm of the real world because they came there and then they left. But the, 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 the dynamics I think that are at work there are applicable to any time people get together. Give them a goal, give them something to fight against and give them the rules. Ah, you, you can do great things with that, which is right. really a process in the mind, not a process necessarily from the heart. And I think that's where people maybe get a little bit lost in relationships that is, this is a process of thinking, not a process of feeling in, in throughout much of that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. And there, it, it's interesting to learn about like techniques that couples use, like what you're talking about. There are house rules about potentially how they fight or the way they get together, that they make it intentional, that they have a date night or some time alone away from the kids on a regularly scheduled basis that nothing will interfere with hearing. Different practices that, that again, they have decided these are our house rules. This is what works for us. And they're sacrosanct. They, they, they're just, they just aren't questioned. And because they work for this couple, they might not work for you. They might not work for me, but that was the point is to dig around and go, do they have rules? A lot of them do. And there's one couple that, that goes to Paris every year for a trip. They go okay. back to Paris. They stay in the same hotel because they want to get away to someplace. But it's, he, he, I think the guy called it a morale building event. <laughs> Everything but the whiteboard. But just really like to talk about their relationship. They get away to this no. place that they know they love. There's not a, a great deal of pressure to go explore and find new things. But they really do it so that they can spend a week with each other talking about what, what's going well, what's going badly, what our goals are, do we want our big goals with more kids or retirement or whatever. And again, a lot of people, I think they don't know that's how couples approach their marriage. I didn't, I, I hadn't heard of that from front of any specific couple, but I was like, that makes a ton of sense. And maybe something like that, not Paris, but maybe that would work for us. Maybe we could dedicate a weekend every year to something like that. And so that's what I hope that the book does for people is like hearing other people's, the way that they've organized their lives in a way that makes them happy and that's successful for them. There might be something there that, that helps other people. Yeah. I know for us on our anniversary, we'd go out for dinner or sometimes we'd leave and go someplace else. But we had a early, oh, I don't even know when, early into our, into our, our relationship, I had a concept of making a journal that we would just record what we do each year. Oh, and nice. so we had it, we had one, one journal, we write down, we'd rehash the year Ooh. over dinner and just write down everything. And we take turns. I have terrible handwriting and she had good handwriting or has good handwriting. And then she, she, so she would write some stuff and I'd write some stuff, but it was just this idea of refreshing the entire year. What were the standouts and pulling back memories, which then in that place in time, the things that would, the things that we would forget, right? Yes. Um, Things that I, without rereading that journal, I have no idea what's in it. I could pinpoint a handful of big topics, but it's, it was like little things like a kid did this or, oh, remember when we went there or those people went, this is what happened. Mm -hmm. I think having some sort of written record, I think it's important in relationships instead of just letting things fly by. I do have a, I'm, I have a personal curiosity. Um, 
if I were to compare and contrast certain relationships that I know, I think that some of buying or maybe even oversimplifying some concept, and I'm curious if you took anything from this as I talk about this, there are some, co- there are some relationships I look at and I think it's them against the world, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just us and we've got our protected time and we've got our protected space. And sometimes we disappear and nobody knows where we're at and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And then there are some people where it's like us and the world. So it's like, they're always on Facebook. They're always on social media. They're always posting things. They're always, have you seen any similarities or dissimilarities in this idea of us against the world or us and the world and how that's played out in those relationships that you've interviewed? That's interesting. I don't think I ever thought of it in those terms, one or one or the other. Certainly though, us, us against the world is a little bit more resonant for me based on the conversations I had because there was, that was part of the commitment is that this relationship comes first and we can open ourselves up to all sorts of other things, but when we get to a point where something is going to impact the relationship and or we realize that it's bad, we're going to address that. We're not going to let that, we're just not going to let that impact us for the worse. So I think though it's, but it's very much personality based. There are a lot of people that talked about, they have a lot of individual friends. The guy goes off with his friends to do stuff and the woman does for like with her friends and they, that's wonderful for their marriage. Other people talk about this one long married couple. I think they've been married almost 50 years now. They're just at a point where they only like each other. <laughs> they don't really want to hang out with anybody else anymore. That's the other extreme. And some people talk a lot about their work problems with their spouse. Other people say, I have my work friends that I talk about my work stuff with, and I don't want to bring that home. So I think it's a very individual, what else, whatever it is you can tolerate an answer. Mm-hmm. But I do think that that what I saw in common was a commitment to keep the relationship in the in first place. And when something would occur to threaten that, then they then their tension was paid. That makes sense. Yeah. This is super fascinating discussion for sure and so valuable. <gasps> Time flies. Uh, I know it is time. Time has flown. We're over a normal time. If you've oh, got no. time, I'm happy to stay online here. I think there, it's time. Relationships are always timely, but I think relationships right now are particularly threatened because of the amount of noise, background noise. And when we have background noise, I think it's hard to to filter mm-hmm. out what the real tune is, right? And right now we've got a technological capacity where everybody's talking all the time. And I I don't know if you'd go to Reddit at all. People ask questions on Reddit and other places about their relationships. And the answer is go talk to the person who you're in a relationship with. Stop talking to the thousands of random people who all have their own opinions and are talking about their own filters with their own. And, and there's an immediacy, there's a sound issue I think we have, which is why I appreciate your book so much that the you would go through and distill it down into not sound bites, but you but an adequate explanation, uh, which is just not what we have. We don't have that with Twitter. We don't have it with Facebook. Yeah. It's like, you don't know the whole story. It wasn't an interview. It's just, I wanted to complain about this little thing. And then everybody's, what's going on? I was talking to a friend the other day and he said, he said he just finds it funny that he will, he will just post, he will repost some something that somebody said. And he does this just to get people jazzed up, but he'll repost something that somebody said with him just going like this. <laughs> okay. And he says, he says immediately, boom, 
people will be polarized and they'll some people will be arguing for whatever that post was. Some oh, of the people yeah. argue. He says, and he says, I didn't give any inclination of what I thought. I right. all I did was post a picture. And that's the nature I think that we have in our relationships now, or we are developing, I think, in relationships mm-hmm. where we're talking, we've developed this like immediate response, short, quick response, instead yeah. of settling into we're going to push it all, push all the noise away. We're just going to sit there, like you talk about for a weekend and just sit with no noise. And it's just us and, I, yeah. and protecting that space on a more routine basis. And a lot of our conversations too now, it's got this, if you're not for me, you're against me. Your friend's post is brilliant because it's really it's this invitation to choose a side, right? Yeah. And then people are totally willing to do it. And the truth is that you know, I think in a mature relationship, you have to have Many sides, our brains can handle more than two choices. You can believe that your partner's wrong about something, but that their intention is not bad or that they haven't read the same things that you have, or they didn't live through the same experience you did as a child. Or for, we, we can require a little more for ourselves, I think, than what, what you're saying, which is let's just get to the heart of it. And, and TV's all about the bites. You're right. But I think that comes at the expense of really sharing kind of nuanced learned wisdom that actually helps us get along better together in a world where it's all it is all about relationships and the the better potential you have in your relationships at home the more energy you have for the relationships outside and in your work and so I think I think there's a lot of truth that we we really sort of change ourselves when we don't sit down and have the in-person conversation and, and confess your stuff and quit acting perfect. It's not, but part of the mess is really what makes us human. It's not you know, pretending it's not there doesn't do any good. Yeah, the I've been listening to a lot of psychologists recently, and I have a proclivity to listening to psychological stuff and relationship uh-huh. stuff and whatnot. And, and what one individual was talking about how, when we don't say something or when we push something down feelings or whatever in ourselves, it doesn't go away. It just sits there and comes back with a vengeance. And he, that's, those are just words comes back with a vengeance later. And that's very true. That it comes back, come back with vengeance. angry. It's pissed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You left it in its cage too long. As we're winding down on our time together here, you talked about playing a game beforehand. You still got time for a game? I love a game. Yeah. If All right. Great. Great. I, yes, absolutely. Let's do this. We're going to play Watch Watchamma Draw It. I'm going to throw up on the screen here. And if you have played Watch Watchamma Draw It before, I don't know that you have, but if you've seen Watchamma Draw It before, you'll see that this is a drawing game. And here's how it's going to work. I'm going to put on the screen a phrase. So the phrase will be something like this. Draw a frog sitting in a canoe headed for a waterfall. And you and I will each have one minute to draw that phrase. And then we will vote on who wins that, that particular drawing. Sound I'm good? bad at drawing, so my, my expectations are pretty low. <laughs> okay. Well, Wendy isn't bad. <laughs> this is your opportunity to get better. Okay, I'll try. All right. Are you ready for our first one? I'm ready. Okay. Draw an animal that has a chicken head, a pineapple body, and duck feet. Oh, boy. Draw okay. an animal that has a chicken head, pineapple body, and duck feet. I did just cut up a pineapple the other day. That'll help. That's good. There's a clock. Yes, there is a clock. Chicken head, pineapple body. 
Oh, this is not going well. <laughs> I might have dropped just strong body parts on here by by accident. <laughs> it's neither male nor female, by the way. It's an androgynous chicken. <laughs> oh, I don't know how to draw a pineapple. I don't know how to draw a chicken head. I think I've got the. I don't know. We'll see. Oh no! That's it. It's over. Okay. Okay. Here we go. I will. I'll because I suckered you into this. I will. I'll put mine on the screen first here. Ooh, that's pretty nice. That is an animal with a chicken head, a pineapple body, and duck feet. I just don't know about that chicken head. I, I think pretty it's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. All right, well, you're up. Let's see what you got. <laughs> oh, see, now that is a good pineapple. Is it? Those are duck when feet. I started to draw the things on, I was like, that looks wrong. No. Nope, I think that's pretty okay. spot on. I would see that that was a pineapple. I would not see that mine's pineapple by okay. any stretch. I started so, with pineapple. Here. Oh, uh, is it side yeah, by side now? So this, okay. Yeah, see yours? Yeah. But a chicken beak isn't that long, is it? Yours Yours is pretty no, good. It's not. I'll give you, I got to give you the win, though, because your pineapple and duck feet, I don't know what my feet are, but they're not duck feet. <laughs> Yours look like human feet. <laughs> exactly. That's true. They did. They totally did look like human feet. <laughs> All right. We'll pop this back on the screen here. We've got our second one coming up here. Okay. So I'm going I'm to vote for you on the first one. I'll take it. All right. That's your okay. show. You got to make the rules. I just well, respect you. Can, who are you voting for? You can vote for yourself. If, by the way. <laughs> who are you going to vote for? Well, I would vote for you, sir. Oh, you can vote for yourself. It's totally fine. Here we go. Second one. Okay. Draw an animal. Or sorry. That's a thick animal. Oh, dear. Do you make these up? No, I absolutely do not. These are from a game called Whatchamadrawit. Oh, that's an actual game. It is totally an actual game. Really? Oh, dear. Okay. I don't really know how to start this one. Oh, uh, I don't. I don't know. Thirty seconds. What? Oh well. Oh dear. Oh no! This isn't. <laughs> oh, I'm not certain that this went well. I don't have this one at all. Don't think okay. that I have it. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh no I, this has got to be the worst drawing i've ever done oh my gosh you okay so i went first the first time you got to go first the second time oh it's embarrassing all right i, 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 I didn't i just oh I started wow that's no. pretty good I don't know. I can see that it's a plane. I could also see that it's trying to be a butterfly. It's trying. Okay. Ready? Metamorphosing. You ready for what happened here? 
You're good. Yes, yes. Oh, what's the goal there? What's the target area there? It's flying was, I first I was gonna draw the plane like looking up at it so I could draw butterfly wings, and then I thought, no, I have to draw it in three dimensions. Yeah, yeah. Well, I started the one on the right there. <laughs> I like how it has um, fire coming out the back too. Uh, it's supposed to be a tail. Oh. <laughs> it's not fire. <laughs> See? Because plants have fire coming out the back, don't they? That's logical. <laughs> yes, if your airliner has fire coming out the back, you know you're doing something. No, yeah. You know you're going fast. I, and my wings turned out like butts. I don't even know. <laughs> Not sure what happened. I got to give you the one. I got to give you the win on that too. It's, that was a very hard one. That was a very hard one. <laughs> you're, but I did like yours. Yeah, you're going to vote for yourself though, aren't you? <laughs> I vote for myself, yeah. I would too. If there's if no, no self-respect. Yes, it is. No self-respecting person would vote for whatever it is I was trying to try. <laughs> you even said it. What's the fire in the back? Like, that's not fire. Oh, well. <laughs> All right. Third one. Ready? Okay. Yep. Draw a drum playing tiger, a guitar playing porcupine, what? and a piano playing skunk. I can't even draw one of those things. I'm drawing my tiger. What's he playing? He's playing a drum. Oh no. Oh, my tiger's playing the piano. <laughs> it's not supposed to be playing the piano. He's a rule breaker. Drum playing This is very ambitious for one minute. It I don't really ambitious. They are. Oh, a porcupine. All right. 10 seconds. Oh, shoot. Three, oh, no. Two, one. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. This I, was impossible. I've played these, I've played this Watchamadrock game time and time again, and I don't think I've ever drawn something as poorly. This is on, this is off the charts terrible. Okay, let's see. You're going to have to remind me, though. I still don't know if it's a skunk, a raccoon, or a tiger. It's a drum, it's a drum playing tiger, a guitar play. playing porcupine. In fact, here, uh, here's what I can do. Oh, guitar I have a, playing. A little, I can do here. Yeah. Ooh. All right. So okay. it's a drum playing tiger, a guitar playing porcupine, and a piano playing skunk. And boom. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> the drum playing, that one has, like, lips. That's his mouth. That's his mouth. He's angry. He was trying to be angry because he's a tiger. He's playing the drum. And then the uh, the amorphous porcupine, which looks an awful lot like some sort of slug or or, or prickly worm, is playing the left-handed guitar. Oh, yeah, I see it. I see it. Only because like, it's very sort of Picasso-esque, that one. I, I think you, there's... You, you captured the spirit of the porcupine. Great you. Very kind. You're up here. I totally missed the piano playing skunk, so I... I did it wrong from the beginning. So I have a tiger playing the piano, which wasn't even required. <laughs> and then the skunk is playing the drums. And you can see that he smells. 
He looks like a fox. I know. But that does look like a cat. He's playing the piano. It's it's another one. They're doing a jam session. Yeah, that is a great piano. It's seriously, it's pretty classy. I don't know, but you have to win because I didn't follow the rules, right? The tiger's not supposed to. I didn't follow the rules either. I missed missed out on somebody. All right. So it's a draw on that one. That one's a draw. Okay. Which means that you go away with three points and I go away with one. To be that to makes me, you just feel good. He let me win. Would, I don't try to lose. I don't play on <laughs> my mind that hey, let's play this game so I can lose. But you know what? You're leaving me feeling like I've accomplished something today. And with my new friend, Jason, yes, over coffee. Absolutely. So accomplished. So good. People can get in contact with you at clanvandapolder.com. Claire Vandapolder. Claire. I said that. I think you just said clan band of <laughs> They're my Scottish ancestors, but I, I just feel like Claire now. <laughs> I'm moving too. I'm moving too fast. To my main I know you got, you got business. You got to wrap the show up. I get it. <laughs> ClaireVanPolder.com. Yes, your book, Making Marriage Happy. Where can people pick that up? It's everywhere. It's uh, it's online, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You can order from your indie shops. So yeah, making marriage happy. Awesome. Claire, this is really, I think a, and I truly do mean this. I think it's a fascinating conversation. One that is totally worth having. And I love the concept of your book of interviewing other people instead of, instead of purporting to be some sort of expert, let's hear from other people. Cause I think it's so important that other people at least know that, that they're not alone. And Absolutely. their relationships are just transport that to somebody else's life. And they got the same thing going on. Absolutely. And we could learn from each other and feel better, feel less alone for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks, great Jason. to know you. It was fun. All right. To all our viewers and listeners, this is Coffee with Humans. Go to coffeewithhumans.com if you want to have coffee with me. Also, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and share on your social media. We'll see you next time. One of the things I love about Coffee with Humans are the raw conversations I get to have, meeting new people just like you. If you or someone you know should be on Coffee with Humans, go to coffeewithhumans.com. Remember, the only rule is no sales calls. This has been Coffee with Humans. Subscribe to get updates or click to have coffee with me, coffeewithhumans.com.